Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. Nice to be in the house of God, be able to join together in worship and, and also to hear the word of the Lord. <clears throat> uh, through the summer months, we're preaching through the statement of faith from the church. So I want to read the statement of faith, and then I'm going to unload a lot of scriptures on us. The statement that I'm going to preach about today is we believe in the resurrection of both the saved and the lost. The one to everlasting life and the other to everlasting separation from God. I've been preparing this message for the last two weeks, and my emotions have gone the whole spectrum. From exhilaration when I think about the resurrection of the believer to deeply sobering in my spirit when I think about the resurrection of the lost. So let me, be, let me begin by reading three scriptures that confirm this statement. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, Daniel wrote, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, these are the words of Jesus when he said, do not marvel at this, don't be surprised. For the hour is coming, not might come, it is coming, in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and come forth. Those that have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Sobering words. And then Paul, as he stood before the Sanhedrin, Acts 24, 15, made this statement, that there will be a resurrection of the dead. It's a fact. Both of the just and the unjust. There's three statements in this statement of faith and in those scriptures I read that I want to 
use as an outline for the message this morning. Number one, there will be a resurrection. We will live again. Death is not the end. The Bible clearly teaches a coming resurrection. Second, there will be a resurrection of the saved. And third, there will be a resurrection of the lost. Let me talk first about the concept of resurrection. One of the oldest men in the Bible, Job, in the midst of incredible trial and turmoil, asked the question. Job 14, 14, he said, if a man die, shall he live again? We've all asked that question. I've asked it hundreds of times. As I've sat by hospital beds, stood in open, beside an open grave, often in my spirit, I ask myself the question, is this the end or is this the beginning? If a man die, will he live again? The answer, of course, is found in the Bible. Jesus said in John 5, 28, all that are in the grave shall come forth. Jesus said there would be a resurrection. When he stood outside of the tomb of Lazarus, John eleven twenty five, 25, he made this declaration. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Paul wrote the great chapter in 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. He wrote it to answer the question that some had raised in the church. Some were saying there is no resurrection. Death is the end. And he wrote an entire chapter to refute that teaching that had arisen in the church. And he made this statement in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die. That's a fact. We'll all die. A hundred years from now, none of us will be alive unless Jesus comes, which I hope he does. But he said, for as in Adam all die, even so, as sure as death is, so sure the resurrection is. For he said, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So let me talk a bit about the resurrection of the saved. I want to read from 1 Corinthians 15, 23 and 24. Paul said, but each one in his own order. There's a sequence. Christ, the firstfruits. Afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. The resurrection of the believers is likened 
to the three-part ancient harvest in Israel. There was the first fruits, which was brought to the house of God in sacrifice. There was the main harvest. And then there was the gleanings, because the Israelites were told that they should not cut square into the corners, but round it, and they should not pick up anything that fell that was for the poor, the refugee, and the aliens. So the harvest, which is a picture of the resurrection, has three parts, first fruits, main harvest, and gleanings. So it is with the resurrection. Jesus Christ was the first fruits. He was the first person to be raised from the dead who didn't die again. Others had been raised from the dead like the little boy in Elisha's time and Lazarus and many others, but they all died again. But Jesus rose never to die again. Here's what the scripture says. 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits, the guarantee, the prototype of all those who have fallen asleep. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 6, verse 9, he said, knowing that Christ having raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has any dominion over him. And when John saw the picture of the, of the glorified Christ, Revelation chapter 1, he heard the Lord cry out, I am he who lives and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore. Christ, the first fruits. Second is the main harvest, I believe, that refers to the believer, the one who has a relationship with Jesus. Jesus declared in John 14, 19, because I live, you shall live also. My resurrection is guaranteed by his. Because he lives, I will live also. Paul, when he talked about the order of the resurrection, said Christ, the first fruits afterwards, they who are Christ. If you know Jesus, I'm talking about you. They that are Christ. At his coming. That's the time of the resurrection of the believer. Paul wrote the Thessalonian Christians a long passage about the coming of Jesus and about the resurrection because some of them were confused because they thought that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime. And when some of the believers began to die, their question was, 
What's happened to them? I thought he was coming back for us. So Paul wrote this large passage in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. He said, but I'll not have you to be ignorant, brethren, of those who've fallen asleep. And he went on to say, for the Lord himself, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Jesus Christ, who visited this planet 2,000 years ago, is going to come again. And I've often said to people, even at my age, I'm not looking for the undertaker, I'm looking for the upper taker. Because he promised that he would come back. And when he came back, those who are living and remain would be caught up. But those who have fallen asleep in Jesus (coughs) will be raised up. He said precisely the same thing in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And you get my age, and you're looking forward to that more and more every single day. We will all be changed in a moment, (coughs) in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised. And we'll all be changed. What a glorious, incredible, wonderful prospect. The last part of the of the harvest was the gleanings. I believe these are the tribulation saints. Revelation twenty talks about those who were beheaded for their witness to Jesus. Revelation 20, verse 5 to 6 says, And the rest of the dead lived not until a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. The first resurrection is in three parts. Christ, the first fruits, the saved, the harvest, and the tribulation saints, the gleanings. So let me answer a couple of questions that I know we have, and then I'll wrap up the message. The question often is, how is this going to work? And what are we going to look like anyway? It's interesting that that question was asked in the Bible in this great passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. The question is, how will this happen and what will we look like? What kind of a body will we have? 
Well, it seems like the first question was, and perhaps even the second was not really sincere because Paul was rather undiplomatic in his answer. He said, you foolish one. King James is even more blunt. In other words, he said, you know, it's not that hard to figure out really if you stop and think about it. And he used the illustration of the sowing of a seed. That life comes out of death. If you take a kernel of wheat and you put it in the ground. In fact, the language of the Bible here is that we don't bury our dead, we sow our dead. I was raised in the farm and farmers don't bury wheat, they sow it. Because they expect it to come again. So this kernel of wheat goes into the ground and it dies. But out of its death, there comes life. And the life, the new life, is like the old life. But it's not like the old life. Because you can dig in the soil and find the husk of the original kernel. But out of it, out of death, springs life. In fact, Jesus said, unless a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. One day, if Jesus doesn't come, they're going to sow this old body in the ground. But I can tell you that out of that husk, there will come another one. It'll be like this one, but it won't be like this one, if you know what I mean. So let me just quickly summarize this and read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 really quickly. He said, we, this body is sown in corruption. Once it dies, you got to get it put away pretty quick. But it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. It is sown in natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. You see, this body that you live in and I live in is subject to the law of nature. If you don't believe me, climb up on the roof and step off. And there's a law of nature that says you're going to fall. But the new body will be a spiritual body. It will not be subject to the law of nature. That's how Jesus got in a room with the door shut. And we will have a body that will be subject only to the law of the Spirit. But here's the last thing I want to say about our bodies. It's the best. And the Bible tells us that our body will be like his. 
First John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Behold, now we are the sons of God. Does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we will see him as he is. The psalmist David said, Psalm 17, 15, I will be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. One day, by the grace of God, through the merit of the shed blood of Jesus, I will be transformed and become like Jesus. It says in Philippians that this vile body will be transformed to be made like his own glorious body. So what was it like? Well, it was flesh and blood. He said to them, come and see me. I'm not a spirit. They recognized him. You know, we say, what will I look like in heaven? Probably a lot like you look now, only a whole lot better. In fact, you will be absolutely perfect. Every deficiency you have now will be gone. You will be like Jesus. They recognized him. You know, we all ask that question, will we know each other in heaven? Of course we will. We'll be the same, but we'll be different. And you might be thinking, well, Pastor Fenn, make up your mind. (laughs) I have. You'll be the same, but you'll be different. (laughs) And you'll be like Jesus. Now, let me talk about the last resurrection. I want you to just quiet your spirit for a few moments. Before I read this scripture, I just want to say to you today, for any of you who have come here and you don't know the Lord personally, if you're here and you feel that you're not right with God, I'm here to plead with you to come to Jesus. I want you to understand today that you are loved unconditionally, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's how much he loved you. And he said, if you'd believe in him, you'd have eternal life. I want you to visualize today that Jesus is here in this house. And his arms are outstretched. And there's one word on his lips, and the word is come. Come. Come as you are. You don't have to fix yourself up. Just come. Just come. And if you're here today and the Spirit of God is speaking to you, I urge you to respond. I remembered this week about my mother, she told me. She was raised in a church that didn't preach the gospel. There was a preacher 
who came to our little town, Stoughton, Saskatchewan, and a Hall, and began to preach the gospel. My mother told me that in the very first service, she said, I heard for the first time that God loved me and that I could be forgiven and that I could go to heaven. She said that when I heard that message, she said, I got up, up out of my seat and I ran to the altar. The preacher's still preaching. I ran to the altar and fell down on my knees, gave my heart to Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, I urge you, you can do it right now. You can come. I urge you, surrender your life to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Because not to come and not to be right with him is to face the resurrection of the lost. Yes, you will live again. We'll all live again. Let me read these verses. I'd like you to bow your heads and just quiet yourself in his presence while I read this. I'm not going to preach about it. I just want to read it. But I've been so stirred in my spirit again as I've read this this week. And think to myself, if there's one person in C3, Sunday morning, or if there's one person online, and you're not right with God, this is the call of the Spirit to you. And you might want to say, well, Pastor Fenn, you're trying to scare us, trying to frighten us. Well, it's like this. If you lived on a busy road, and there was a great storm, and the and the bridge was washed out. If you went out and stood on the road to flag the people down to stop them, if someone said, well, you're just trying to scare us, no. He's trying to save you. I'm not here to try to scare you. God knows my heart. But I'm here to plead with you if you don't know Jesus, if you're not right with the Lord, I urge you to come today. And let me read this, and I'll close the message, and the worship team will come. Revelation 20, verse 11, and I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. 
Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The first death is when our spirits leave our bodies. The second death is when people are banished from the presence of God forever. And some people say, well, that's not fair. Yes, it's fair, because if you told God all your life here, you didn't need him and didn't want him, then you'll get your wish for all eternity. And the saddest thing possible for any human being is to be separated from the presence of God. I'm not here to frighten you. I've been a preacher of the gospel for a long, long time. I have to stand before God one day to give an account. And I declare to you today that there is not only a resurrection of the believer, but there is a resurrection of the lost. I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you if you need to, to surrender your life to God today. I'm going to pray and the worship team will lead us. Lord, there's no way to adequately thank you for coming. Without you, we would be lost and undone for all eternity. But you came. And you took our sins on your body on the tree. And you've invited us to come, be forgiven. I thank you today for the hope that's in our heart. One day we will see you face to face. One day we will be like you, all because of your grace and your mercy and your love. I pray for anyone who may not know you. I pray that in this moment, the Spirit of God will call you and draw you and change you so that you too may rise again. So I pray, Lord, now take your word covered with the Holy Spirit. Let it bring forth the fruit that you intend. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. 
and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.